picture of Exodus. But here in this text, we see the kind of a little microcosm of that, of God having to convince Moses of who he is. That he really is the God who is the rescuer and the keeper of his people. So that said, let me, uh, let me pray and uh, we'll read God's word together. Gracious God, we thank you for um, this revelation. This revelation of who you are. This revelation of your, of your covenant, of your promise, of your name. Of, of the redemption that is to sinners. Of the grace and mercy that you have toward your, your people. Lord, help us to see ourselves in Moses and to see your glory, your grace um, this morning. And Lord, may it never leave us. May we be changed by it. Those of us who are convinced of your lordship, may we be more convinced. Those of us who are not, may you give us, um, take away our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 3, uh, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord... Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go on a three-day's journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters and you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then Moses answered, But behold, but look. Will, will not, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And then Yahweh said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. And so he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, 
Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord Yahweh said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. And so he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, this is really a continuation of what we started last week. We, the, the call, the, Moses seeing the burning bush and drawing near and God calling his name and addressing him. And um, we have here this ongoing conversation. And, um, you know, and, and, um, and that's what's going on here. This continuation of what we did last week. This, this call of Moses. Um, but, you know, many of us um, feel, I don't know, maybe you're sitting here and you feel this very presently, uh, feel the pressure to figure out life. Some of you right now are really thinking about a grocery list or maybe what's coming on the TV this afternoon or the things coming up at work this week, like your mind wanders. I know this. Uh, I can see it on your face. No, I'm joking. I can't really. Sometimes I can. Sometimes I can go, you're not really engaged. But I don't say it. I'm not going to say names. Uh, but no, I, I know because I, I struggle with the same thing. When I'm sitting and listening to a sermon, that, that, there's always this, how I, okay, I've, I've got a day. I'm trying to figure out my day. I'm trying to figure out, figure out my week. I'm trying to figure out my life. And I think, um, you know... You know, our culture today uh, tells us that um, 
Not only this is something you can do, is to figure out your life, not just your plans or your to-do list, but life in general. That it's not only something you can do, that it's something that you and only you must do. And, and you know, especially the younger people in the room, the millennials and Gen Z, if, if that's, that's really what you've been taught. Uh, decide what to do, figure out your life, do something great, do something grand, write your story, make it rememberable, and that's really all up to you. But last week, we, re- we saw, in this, as we saw Moses' life and how it played out, Moses is clearly not the author of his story. He acted in his prime to, to do something about the problem he saw. He saw his people suffering and he acted and it completely blew up in his face. And then after 40 years of exile and shepherding, all confidence gone, then God says, you're ready. There we go. You're ready. Uh, now is the time for you to do this redemptive act. And... Something that Moses could not do in his prime, God calls him to do it in his timing. And so we see that, again, this is so comforting, we're not writing the story. And, and this is continued, this is continued, this story. It's, it's evident that, that, that God is writing the story of Moses' life and God is writing our story too. But that brings us to this text. So, so what, what's going on here? God is writing the story. God is, is saying it's time for you to do this, but, but Moses is really just continuing to object to the author's plan, which is, you know, which is really interesting. You know? um, if, if just right off the offset, you know, what's the application here? If you ever pray and go, God, I don't know what you're doing, why? If you ask those questions, you see in the Psalms and you see here, it's, it's okay to do that. Like, that's a natural response um, that we are going to struggle uh, with that because we're not writing our story and we're, we're struggling with that. We want to make edits. We will have some suggestions. And God says, I got it. And so, you know, Moses' first uh, objection was, who am I to do this? You remember last week. But now we see his second objection, and that's kind of our structure here. So the first thing I want you to see, uh, the, 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 the questions that Moses asks are, who are you? That's our first point. Moses asks, who are you? What is the name I'm supposed to give to your people? And then his next question of objection is, why would they? Why would they even listen to me? And then finally, it's, it's not a question I want to end on, but uh, an exclamation. And the exclamation is this, what abundant mercy and grace. Who are you, why would they, and what abundant mercy and grace. Those are our points. So let's start with this first point of our sermon, this first question this morning, but really the second question in this conversation. Um, what is your name? I'm, you're sending me to God's people. You're sending me to your people. You're sending me to, to, the, to Israel. And they're going to ask, what is your name? And that sounds kind of weird to us, right? Who do we worship? We worship God, the true God. We don't, why, would, why, would he, why, why would you anticipate a question like that? But you remember, this is a, a polytheistic culture, right? 
There are lots of gods in the Egyptian world. There are lots of gods in the, for the Canaanites. There are lots of different uh, deities. And so, you know, when, when Moses, this stranger who hadn't been around for 40 years, this fugitive, comes back and says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have shown up. And you're like, well, which God is it? What's his name? So it, it makes some sense to anticipate this question. And so, um, you know, and, and, and as we see, uh, if you... If you look at the, um, the different names of the Old Testament names back then, um, the name of a person in ancient times was supposed to express a part of the person's character. You know, not, maybe not their whole character, but an, but an aspect of it, an attribute of it. Um, names have meaning. Uh, another name for God besides Yahweh is Elohim, and that is derived from the Hebrew word strength and might. And it's plural, even, which either indicates kind of a, a royal a royal we, a royal plurality, or is pointing to his plurality of, of person, of the Godhead. Uh, Peter, we know Peter has a, means what? It means rock. Uh, and Jesus, the name Jesus, that's the Greek version of uh, Joshua, which is Hebrew, it means to deliver and to rescue. So, so names were very significant back then. And so when, when you're asking for a name, who sent me? Who are you? Who should I tell them you are? God gives this name. And it is Yahweh. It's actually, in the Hebrew, there's no vowels there. It's just, you know, if we you know, um, translate that to our alphabet. It's Y-H-W-H. It's these four letters. And um, it's translated here for us, I am who I am. Another way to translate it is, I am that I am. Or, I will be who I will be. And it's derived from Yah, the Hebrew word Yah, which is the verb to, to be. To be, to be. I am who I am. It's an interesting name. What does that mean? <laughs> it's confusing. We don't know. We don't, that would be a weird thing to call someone. We don't know anyone named that. I am. I am who I am. What is that supposed to communicate? What does it tell us about God? Well, first of all, it tells us that God is self-existent. You know, a common way for people to, you know, and I think we do it around here a lot, you know, it's like, my name is Grant Carroll. Okay, who are your people? You ever heard of, Are you from those, uh, from the Piedmont Carrolls? No, I'm from, uh, you know, Tuscaloosa Carrolls. Oh, okay. You know, it's, you know, everyone is connected, you know, who you come from. Where do, you, where do you derive your being? <laughs> you know, how are you connected? So, you know, I, I, I'm here because Bruce and Martha exist. And Bruce and Martha exist because Glenn and, and Elizabeth and, and, uh, and Owen and Christine existed. And so on and so on. I have my being is dependent on another's being. And God is unique in that He always has been. It's not Yahweh, son of... <laughs> It's, I am. I am who I am. I've always been and I am derived from no one else. I am the beginning. That's heady stuff, isn't it? 
Wow. There's nothing else that there's nothing else that is that is like that. That is like him. Everything else has its origin from what? From who? Him. And he is self-existent, dependent on no one. He is autonomous and the only being that is such. I am. I was, I am, I will be. He has is derived from nothing. His existence is dependent on nothing. He always has been. He also communicates that he is unchanging. Grant's changed a lot. <laughs> I spent so a couple days with some friends that I've known for 22 years. And actually, besides watching football, which, oh man, that was close. Anyway, I think I have more gray. Did you see, have y'all noticed that? Anyway, don't tell me. Anyway, but it was, it was hard. Uh, but, but besides watching football and talking about football, we actually talked about how much each of us have changed. We, we knew each other when we were 20, and a lot of us are married and have kids, and it's like, wow, you know, you, you've kind of grown up, you know? You're better than you were, you know? And uh, we all kind of talked about that. We just kind of relished God's goodness, and that we're kind of, you know, I think we're men by now at 45 to 43. That's our age uh, group there. But, you know, we're like, yeah, I think we've grown up some. We still have more to do. But, wow, you know, I've changed. Changed for the good. Um, But also I've changed for the bad. You know, these snap, crackle, pop, like Rice Krispies, I don't know if that's... That's not good, right? Um, I don't think it's good. But that's, that's what's happening. And But we change. I even changed my mind, you know. Camille can ask me, what do you want for dinner? And then five minutes, I, I don't know. I don't really want corn dogs. No, she doesn't. We don't do corn dogs. Camille wouldn't fix me a corn dog. Even if I wanted one, she'd say no. Anyway, y'all can talk to her about that if that's offens- offensive to you. Um, but I, I'll change my mind. And, and, but God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today. I am. I am. And that, that's such a... Such an amazing reality when everyone else around us changes. You know? The weather changes. The forecast changes. Jobs change. Personalities change. Abilities change. Um, Opinions change. God doesn't change. God is always in control. God always is who He is. And what a great comfort that when He... When he says, he's told us something over 2,000 years ago, we know it's still reliable. He hasn't changed his mind. I would do a lot of changing in 2,000 years if you gave me that, you know, in the fallen state, which I'm glad I don't live that long. Anyway, but, you know, probably change, I don't know. But anyway, so a lot of change. He doesn't change. He's also, this name means that he's eternal. He always has been. He always will be. So this, this name, this I am who I am, communicates his, his self-existence, his complete autonomy, his immutability, and, he is, and he, that he is eternal and infinite and has no beginning and will have no end. And all of that is packed into this name. It's quite a name, isn't it? Who are you? Who sent me? The great God. 
whose promises are always true because He never changes. He always exists. He depends on no one. He doesn't have to look to anyone else. He exists, has always existed, always will exist, and He will never change. He has all power, all authority. I am saying this to you. It will be just as I am. He goes on to say that, you know, you're going to go and you're going to say this. You're going to tell of my appearance. You're going to tell of my, what I'm going to do. But Pharaoh will not cooperate. And, and, and I want to, again, who are you? He gives the name, but he goes, Pharaoh will not let you go. Verse 19, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. And he says here, it's translated, uh, unless compelled by a mighty hand. But uh, what it actually says in the Hebrew, it says, he will not let you go and not by a strong hand. And, and, and one commentator, and I like this, he says, I don't think he's saying unless he's compelled to. He's saying, he's going to not let you go, but Pharaoh doesn't have a strong hand. He's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to stop what I'm doing, but not by a strong hand. This is what he says next in 20. So I will stretch out my hand. I will send out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. We have here a God who's eternal and unchangeable, who's autonomous and has the strong hand. He has the power. Pharaoh thinks he does. This seems like a, like a power that cannot be overcome. But the strong hand, the power, the omnipotence falls to Yahweh. And he goes, not only am I going to set you free, Moses, but I'm going to provide for you. Not only am I going to take with my strong hand, snatch them out of this 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 usurper's hand, I am going to plunder Egypt and equip you and give you all that you need from your oppressors. And only only response can be, wow, right? What power, what a promise. And, and you're reading the story. Imagine reading it for the first time. You're going to go, Moses, surely you're ready. Surely you're ready to go. You're ready to run through a wall, right? Because Yahweh has told you what he's going to do. And then what does Moses do? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> God says, this is who I am. And then Moses says, but... Even with that, even with all you're telling me, even with these words, why would they trust me? Why would they believe me? Why would they? Why would they? That's our second point. Why would the Israelites believe a fugitive and a stranger, an exile? Why would they believe this crazy story that starts out with, I was shepherding the flock and I saw a burning bush that wasn't burning up? Why? I have no credibility. I have what 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 are you gonna do? And then God says, Okay. All right. I've told you who I am, I've told you what I can do, I've told you what I will do, and we've we've read ahead, right? He does exactly these things. Okay, Moses, here's some signs. 
Again, to just going with what he's already said, what he's already communicated in his name, he gives him three signs. This rod, this staff turning into a serpent. And we know it didn't just appear to be a serpent. This is a man who lived in the wilderness and shepherded the flock for 40 years. He, he put the staff down, it turned serpent, and Moses ran away. Which I always forget that in my mind's eye, you know. He's at the burning bush talking to the Lord, and he goes, Oh! You know, and he, he ran away from the holy ground for a little bit. God's like, Come back. Pick it up. Okay. Who would have picked it up? Anybody? Some people are like, I could do that. If Yahweh, if the angel of the Lord told you to, I think you would, right? You go, okay. Um, maybe that would fear of God overcome fear of the snake. But he picks it up and it turns back to a staff. And again, God showing his power, his might. I can, I can make something that a stick, an inanimate object, become a living thing. And I'm going to give you the sign of that this is my power. This is who I am. I, I, I have always existed and I, I have command over creation. You know? What, what's, I can make something that, you know, change, transform matter and energy. And I have power to do that. And, and you're, I'm going to give you the sign. You're going to demonstrate my power in this sign. And it's like, okay. Snake, real snake, runs away, comes back, picks it up, back to his staff. Okay. And then God knows, uh, you might need some more. You might need more. Then he goes, I want you to take your hand, put it in your cloak, pull it out. And it's white with leprosy. Now, there's a lot of different skin diseases then. We don't know exactly which it was. But it was clearly not just like he hadn't, had a, hadn't been out in the sun. But, but diseased. He says, put it back. And take it out again, and it's well again. God's telling what? What's He showing? I have the power to bring about judgment. He will bring about. This is one of the signs He'll bring against Egypt is leprosy and sores. Because I can do this, and I can also bring death and destruction. I can also bring healing and restoration. That's who Yahweh is. That's who I am. Moses sees this, experiences it. And then he goes, if that doesn't work, and he can't demonstrate this now because he's not at the Nile, because, but if finally what you're going to do, if they won't believe that, and by the way, they won't, you're going to turn this water from the Nile, waters from the Nile, the Nile, the source of life, an actual deity to the Egyptians, you're going to take that and you're going to turn it to blood. Well, no longer it's a sign of life and abundance and the source of all life in Egypt. It's going to be, for them, a sign of death. That's what shed blood is, isn't it? Seeing blood on the outside isn't good, right, Tim? It's not a good thing. It's supposed to be inside. <laughs> wow. That's the kind of God I am. Not, not only does my name declare my power, but I've given you these signs to show that you are my messenger. And now, with all that, with the name of God and all that it means and the signs that Moses has experienced, he, God brought disease, He brought healing, He saw the staff, He ran away, it was a snake, He came back, picked it up. Go... Do this. You can do it. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. 
Then what? Of course he's going to say, alright, let's go. I've got what I need. I've got my signs. I've got your name. But no, look at verse 10. But Moses says to Yahweh, he, he knows the name. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And again, here he doesn't use Yahweh. He uses like, Lord, Sir, you know, I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow in speech and of tongue. He's still, still concerned, still worried, still frustrated. Can't, okay, I've got the signs, but you know what? I'm not going to even be able to say this right. I'm not going to be able to get this right. Surely there can be someone else. And, and then God says, reminds me a little bit of end of Job. You know, and he goes, were you there when I did this? Were you there when I made it? And he's, he's kind of going, I'm, I just said I'm Yahweh. I'm the creator. I, I have all power. I, I made all things. I made mouths. I came up with mouth. Heard of it? Anyway, uh, I came up with that. I made man's mouth. That's, he asked the question, the answer is implied. Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what to speak. And then you think, well, surely now. Surely now. But verse 13, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And it's, in, in the original Hebrew, it's not quite that clear. It's, it's, it's kind of this vague, it's kind of like, please send the right person. It was, it's kind of more that. And, but it's clearly what he means is, you might have some more looking to do. Have you considered all the resumes? What he's really getting at is, I hope someone, there's got to be someone more qualified. And this is where we get to the third point. We've asked this, you know, Moses keeps asking, you know, he starts out last week, we looked at, you know, you know who am I? Then he goes, who are you? And, you know, how will they believe me? And then it's just, I think you got it wrong. I mean, he's just flat out at the end. It's like, there's somebody else. And this is our third point. What abundant mercy and grace. He, he says, I think you've got the wrong guy. And then look what it says. Have you ever caught this before? Verse 14. Then the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moses. Now... Act like you've never read this before. What, what do you expect to happen next? Zap. Thank you. That's in my notes. Not really, but I like it. Zap! <laughs> Smiting. He is, he's going to be smoked, okay? It's going to be over. He's going to go, you know what? You're right. You've talked me into it. I'm moving on. The anger... Of the self-sufficient, autonomous, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent God is kindled against Moses. 
And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Now, at first read, and for a long time, that was the most insignificant kind of throwaway line, but that, that is the most amazing verse in this passage, in my opinion. Well, maybe I am who I am. Maybe that was first. Okay, but second is that. Do you see the significance of that? That Moses is in sin, right? He is before the angel of the Lord in the burning bush and continues to say, I don't think you've thought this all the way through. And then once he's given him his name and his, and his signs of power, he goes, but I'm not the guy. But here's the thing. And here's where I want to land. God is justly angry because he's not trusting him. And when we do that, that's sin, right? Is that sin? That's sin. God, I don't, I'm going I'm to go my own way. I don't think you got it right. Moses is having that conversation. Is he, and, he's, and God's grieved by that. He's frustrated by that. He's angry. He's, it's really angry. It's this, the Hebrew means like flare nostrils. That's what the word for anger means. And you know, it's very visual. Red, you know. You ever seen anybody get that angry? I don't know. Hope not. Recently. Anyway, probably have. Um... He's angry. But he shows mercy. And he provides help in Moses' weakness. Why does he do that? Why does he get angry and show mercy? But again, it's because he's Yahweh. He's faithful. This is his covenant name to his people. I am. My promises are sure and and true. And I will keep them. And before Moses showed up on the scene, God had decided, he revealed to Jacob that what? You're going to go into Egypt. You're going to be slaves. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to bring you out. And the promises of God, the love of God, the determination of God is, cannot be undone by Moses' weakness and sin. He's decided what to do and he is going to make it happen. And see, that's the, mo- that's the thing. Not only is Moses not the author of his story, he's not even the chief protagonist. Because you realize all the objections are about, I am don't, I'm not enough. I can't do this. They won't believe me. And then finally, I'm looking at Yahweh from the very beginning knew this is how the conversation was going to go. You see that Aaron was already on his way to meet him. Before the conversation even began, he says, Moses, it's, 
It, it never was about you winning the day. In fact, I'm going to give you Aaron to help remind you of that a little bit. It's not all you. Who is it? It's Yahweh. He's not only the author of the story, he's the chief protagonist. He's the deliverer, he's the redeemer. Now, does that apply to you and me? Think a little bit. And I'm grossly exaggerating that. It's, it matters a lot. Because if you think about it, what, what is it that you and I struggle with so much? We know that God is the author of all things. He's writing our story. But when we fall into despair and we fall into hubris and pride thinking that we've got it together, what we're doing is we think we're actually the protagonist of the story. We are part of His story. And that is not... I hope that doesn't deflate you or frustrate you. But here's the joy. Here's the good news. You don't have to be your own rescuer and keeper. You don't have to be the hero of the story. You have a hero other than yourself. It's Yahweh. And it's Yahweh showed up in the flesh. And that's what we read. We started with... I don't need that. We started with... (laughs) Philippians 2... Therefore God also highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name. What is that name? It's Yahweh. He's the covenant God. He's God in the flesh. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. We've said it throughout the whole path, the whole, the whole worship service. The Lord is my strength and my song. Not you, not me. The right hand of the Lord does val- valiantly. Not my right hand. My, I have no power in myself. The call to confession. While we were still sinners, we turned to God and got righteous. No, Christ died for us. Our assurance of pardon, how we know that we're okay after we confessed our sin. God, Yahweh says, I will sprinkle clean on you the water and you will be clean. We just sang after that, in Christ alone my hope is found. We sang, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of me? No, it's the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath. I command my destiny? No, Jesus commands my destiny. Then we sang, the high king of heaven, my victory won. It's not we who write our story. It's not we who are the hero. We are not the chief protagonist. God is. Yahweh is. Christ is. Therefore, we can sing this, whose every promise is enough for every step I take, sustaining me with arms of love and crowning me with grace. God, His name communicates this. this. He has communicated clearly in His revelation and the signs He's given to Moses. And then also His glory and His grace is seen in His mercy, this abundant mercy to Moses. I know you can't do it, Moses. You keep, you keep raising these objections of why it's not going to work because you're not enough. I know. But you, but you need to know I am. 
I am. I am who I am. And I am enough. I will win the day. Yahweh not only knows Moses' weakness and doubt, He knows your weakness. He knows your doubt. He knows your struggle. Yahweh is not only the author and hero of Moses' story, He's the author, the chief protagonist in yours too. And we are blessed to be in it. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You're writing the story and You're the hero of the story. We thank You that Your name communicates that. In every action You take, every sign of the story and every action You take in, in the span of redemptive history shows us that. Lord, please forgive us for thinking that we have to write the story, that we have to save ourselves. Help us to rest in You. Thank You for bringing us into and grafting us into the vine which is Christ. We thank you that you are always and forever. Your promises are always and forever. You never change. And Lord, give us great rest and joy in simply following you, the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, the hero of your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. about to partake of the supper and when we finish we're going to sing um, one of my favorite songs we will feast in the house of Zion and again look look at the confidence that's there we know this is true we know that this is a foretaste of the wedding supper of the lamb we know that we will feast in the kingdom come in its fullness why why do we know that because of the strength of your faith, because of the righteousness that you have done, no. It's because the Lord is our God. We are upheld and protected and gathered up by Him. Why are we not afraid? Because the God of Jacob is our strength. Why is the promise sure and yea and amen in Christ? 
not because of us, because we break it. We can't keep the promise, but Jesus is the faithful one. If you believe on Him, if you trust Him, partake of this meal. Come, take of the bread, take of the fruit of the vine, and know that what Christ has done, that He is your hero, that He has rescued you, that He is keeping you. This is an opportunity, not only this whole, you know, the whole service is an opportunity is to turn our gaze from ourselves and turn to Him, and this is to help us in that. These are physical signs and seals that help us to, in, in, a, in an action, in a moment, in a, in a corporate meal to go, I don't have what it takes. I can't do this, but Christ offers Himself and He does it for me. So this meal is an act of faith and it's an act of God's grace to the work of His Spirit where He strengthens you, helps you know, yes, you're secure in Him. Yes, you, yeah, you fall short and he's, He has done the, won the day, but you come and you confess your sins confidently that He has, will forgive you for your sins and that He will make you more and more into His image. He has done it. He is doing it. He will do it. What does the name mean? I am that I am. I will be who I will be. He's eternal, all-powerful God. Yahweh keeps His word. Come take this meal and be reminded of that. If you're not a Christian, if you're not sure about these things, if you're skeptical, if you're struggling, we want you to know Him. We want you to understand and, 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 to, and to have your, your questions answered. Please come talk to us. Please engage with us. We want, we're not going to be frustrated with you for doubting or, or struggling. We want to help you and love you as you do that. But we, we want you to know this God who doesn't ask you to write your story or ask you to be the hero. He says, I, I'm that for you. Come and ask us about it. Don't partake. Take this time to meditate and consider what you've heard. Um, But brothers and sisters in Christ, come and feast um, on the supper.
night in which Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples. And after giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and gave it to them. As I am ministering in his name, give this bread to you. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for these signs and seals that you've given. We thank you for setting apart these common elements for this um, wonderful use where you... Strengthen us through this meal, Lord. We pray that that your spirit would turn our hearts to you and help us to see and to hear your name and to know what it means, to see your the and, and remember your your acts of power and of redemption, especially through the cross of Jesus Christ who this meal signifies, and that we would know that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, and you are our rescuer, our help, our strength our shield, our Redeemer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing the work of redemption, Lord. May we then in confidence and in in assurance and in, in full hope follow after you as we see Moses doing. Thank you that we can see that it's not always... It's, it can be reluctant and we can be weak and we can str- and we can struggle, but we thank you that even though we're not enough, you always... So, Lord, strengthen our faith in you. Help us to look to you more and more for what we need and not ourselves. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for this time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this wonderful song. Sing of what is true for all of us in Christ. We will feast in the house of Zion. In the house of Zion, we will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things, we will say together. We will feast and weep no more. We will not be burned by the fire. Consumed by the flood, upheld, protect, and gathered up, we will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say to. soul be not afraid for the promised morning oh how long oh God
Receive now God's blessing. May the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For He who calls you is faithful, and He will surely do it. Amen.